Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Troy Walls. Today's uh, Bible lesson is Creation, Adam and Eve. Creation, Adam and Eve. I'm going to start out in uh, the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, the first thing I always have to qualify is that when God created man uh, in his image, it was not our physical appearance as man or woman because God was an invisible creature. He was a personality, and personality is an invisible ent entity. Now, you can go into an autopsy, and as they are taking out every everything apart bit by bit, they can dissect the brain into the smallest particles, but they will never find the personality. Well, does that mean the personality is not real? Of course it's real. And God was made up of personality, the mind, the will, and emotion. All three persons of the Godhead you can chase this through scripture, are given credit with those same things. God the Son had mind, will, and emotion. God the Father has mind, will, and emotion. So does the Holy Spirit. All right. So when he created mankind in his image, it was that part of the Godhead that was transferred, you might say, to humankind. Adam was created as an invisible mind, will, and emotion, but since he's going to function as mankind functions, God placed him into what we call the body. Now, it's just that simple. The body is a temporary thing. That's why Paul called it a tent in 2 Corinthians 5.1. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Bible says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle... It's a tent. Now, a tent is always temporary. So, our real person, your real you, has been placed into a temporary tent-like, which is called the body. So, when people say, well, what happens to death? Always remember, the invisible part of us that was created in the image of God will never die. Don't you ever fall for this idea of soul sleep. It cannot die. Because it was created in an e eternal entity and it's going to live eternally someplace. The lost are going to spend their eternity doomed in the lake of fire. The saved are going to spend eternity in God's presence. Body, both are going to be eternal because we are an eternal created being. The body was temporary. That's why we can lay the body in the grave and it goes back to dust but never the person, never the mind, will, and emotion. All right. This is where we can move on. God creates Adam as a person, but he calls up out of the dust of the earth a tabernacle in which he's going to dwell. Verse 27. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Now, what's the invisible part? God didn't have a visible body at this point in time. All right. 
Now then, verse 28, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowls of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, what is the general mentality of mankind when they think of Adam and Eve being placed in the garden? How much authority, how much dominion did they have? Well, wherever the garden was, it was limited. That's what most people, uh, I'm sure, think was the responsibility in the Garden of Eden. No. The whole planet was their responsibility. There was no ocean in the Garden of Eden. You see that? But that's what he's got dominion over, the fish of the sea. The same way with all the other animals that weren't part of the creation, it's the part of the garden itself. So, never lose sight of the fact that Adam was given dominion over the whole planet. We're going to find that we're going to have redemption in four places. Number one, we're going to see Adam lost and restored. The next one is we're going to see is the nation of Israel lost and restored. Then we're going to see at the cross the whole human race, humanity. The whole sphere of humanity is going to be in a place of redemption. Then the fourth one we're going to cover is the redemption of the planet, the physical earth. Okay, so go back to Genesis. Adam is given dominion over everything, not just that little area of the Garden in Eden, but the whole planet is now under his dominion. All right. Now let's jump for sake of time on up to chapter 2, verse 16. Now we jump up to where things are really going to start taking off. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden mayest thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. Of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now that's plain English, isn't it? Now verse 18, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, but I will make him an helpmate for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. Now most people think that when I read chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, Adam and Eve were both created side by side. No, they weren't. And that kind of turned people off. They just can't handle that. But anyway, sometime later, after all the animals have been named, and they've all been coming, no doubt, uh, like at the ark, two by two, what is the first thing Adam notices? Every male has its female, and he has none. He's alone. God saw in the heart of Adam that he was longing for a mate. That's why he comes back then in verses 21 and 22 and he creates Eve to be a help me for Adam. Now, that's long after he was originally created. But anyway, 
Now you come down to verses 23 and 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, let me stop and ask a minute. How much mind, will, and emotion are in a rib bone? Have you ever thought of that? The first thing I tell people is, think. Just sit back and think. It's not that complicated. I read somewhere there are 10 or 11 dimensions instead of 3. But see, that's kind of beyond me. It's beyond most people. But this book isn't. This book is not beyond the thinking realm of the simplest of the simple. When old Tyndale, the reformer, was trying to get Bibles across the channel into England, they finally caught him. They were going to burn him at the stake for it. What was his final plea to God? Oh, let every plowboy in England have a copy of this book. Well, here's my point. How much education did a plowboy in England have in 1500? Not much. But was it enough to understand scripture? Yes. So don't ever let anybody tell you, well, it's too complicated. I can't. No, it isn't. God has made it so simple that a plowboy in England in 1500 could read it and comprehend it. Okay, so now we have to understand that when Adam was first formed, Eve was within him. God takes her out at this point in time, and Adam doesn't call her Eve. He calls her woman. She's called woman all the rest of the verses until we get to chapter 3, verse 20. All right, but I don't want to jump away from chapter 2 just yet. Come back here where he says, She's now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now verse 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked. You know, they were totally in complete oblivion to sin or anything like that. They were perfectly innocent. The man and his wife and were not ashamed. Okay, now when you get into chapter 3, we have the fall. They eat of the tree. God loses them. That's the point I want to make. Here they've been in the very will of God. The Lord comes down every day and walks with them and communes with them. I think person to person they communicated and it was the best relationship that you could ever hope for. But then all of a sudden Satan moves in and Adam ate and Eve ate and they lost that favored position. They were now separated from their creator. Now get the picture. They were God's. He made them. They were his. But he left them with the option of being obedient or disobedient. And when they became disobedient, he lost them. Now, in order to show you how clearly he lost them, drop down to verse 8 of chapter 3. Don't forget the Lord had been communicating with them every day. Oh, what a time of fellowship they must have been, walking in the midst of that beautiful garden with the Lord at their side. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife 
ran to meet him? Is that what your Bible says? No. Quite the opposite. What did they do? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Their fellowship had been broken. Sin has entered and God's lost them. Now I'm always emphasizing the Apostle Paul's use of the word grace, but listen, grace did not originate with Paul. Grace originated right here because when they ran to hide rather than confront the Creator God, does God just simply give up on them? No. He seeks them out. Well, why? His grace. That's the grace of God in his first example. Look at verse 9. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Didn't God know where uh, they were? Of course he did. So why did he call? The same reason he calls today. He wants a free will response. He wasn't going to search them out and say, Oh, there you are. Uh-huh. But he calls... Where are you? He's waiting for the response. Guess what? Nothing has changed. Look at Genesis chapter 3 beginning in verse 10. Genesis chapter 3 beginning in verse 10. And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And the Lord God said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded that thee thou shouldest not eat. And the man said, The woman, boy, that hadn't changed a bit, had it? It's always the woman's fault. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Well, anyway, what have uh, what we have to understand now is, I'm going to skip over verses 14 and 15 for just a moment and come back to them later. Uh, here we find that as a result of the fall, God lost that great fellowship between himself and his created beings. They're going to suffer the results of it with verse 17. Look at Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and into dust shalt thou return. All right. That was the lot now of fallen Adam and Eve out of fellowship with their Creator. Now, what's God going to have to do? He's going to have to redeem them. He's going to have to pay the price of redemption to bring Adam and Eve back into a walk and a talk with himself. All right, in verse 20 comes the first step from separation to once again enjoying fellowship with the Creator. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Now, if you know your Bible, ever since chapter 1, when Eve appeared, she was called nothing but woman. The woman said, the woman said this, and the woman said that. Here is the first instance where we have her called Eve because she was to be the mother of all living. Now, here's the big question. Adam understood that when they ate, death was imminent. Well, how are you going to be the mother of all living if you're going to die? So here's my question. On what basis does Adam call the woman Eve the mother of all living? Faith. And what's faith? Taking God at his word. Now, by deduction, just like algebra, you deduce. What had God evidently told them? That they were going to drive right away. So consequently, believing God, although it may have seemed utterly ridiculous, as a lot of things that we have to take by faith, Adam believed him and called her the mother of all living. I'm sure he had no idea of what was going that was going to entail, but in simple faith, he said, All right, I'll call her Eve because that's what she's going to be. All right, now, then you have the faith established, which is one of the two absolutes in Scripture. The second absolute, if we had time to go back and look at it, also in Hebrews, is the blood. Without faith is it is impossible to please God. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. All right. We've got uh, the faith established, so where is the blood? Always remember that blood is the price of redemption. That's why I'm using this one. All right. We'll write down into verse 21. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And to Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats or clothing of skins, animal skins. Now again, you've got to sit back and think, what's God doing? Well, he's preparing an animal sacrifice, but he's going to use, what's the word I'm looking for? He's going to kill two birds with one stone. He's not only going to clothe their physical nakedness with these animals, he's also going to have the blood for the blood sacrifice. So these animals were killed. Don't ever think God was cruel because even the Jewish priests and so forth were so used to killing those sacrificial animals that they never suffered, not for a second. It was instant death, painless death, and that's what we have to feel that God did here. He killed these animals and used the skins to provide clothing for Adam and Eve. But more important, it was the blood that was needed for restoration and forgiveness for atonement. All right. So we find this is so clearly put that he made coats of skins to clothe their nakedness. Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. And the next word is clothe them. Clothe. This is a spiritual term. The only way we can put that together is to jump all the way up to Isaiah. All the way up to Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. Isaiah 61 verse 10. This is 700 B.C. instead of 4000 B.C. 
Look what Isaiah experiences. It's the same thing, the same forgiveness, the same blood application. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he, or God, hath, now watch the word, clothed. The same word in Genesis, not with garments for the physical flesh, but garments of what? Me with the garments of salvation. See the difference? He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. You've got to jump all the way up to Romans, and you know what? It's no different. Paul now teaches basically uh, the same thing in Romans chapter 3. This is where you and I have come. The same forgiveness we've got, of course, the atoning blood of Christ instead of an animal, but oh, the results are the same. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that, what? Believe. Now, what is imputed to the believer? The clothing of righteousness, the covering of righteousness. When we become a believer, I maintain, God doesn't see me. He doesn't see you. God sees who? Jesus Christ. We've been clothed with His righteousness. Now, that's beyond human comprehension. But it's what the book says. When Adam and Eve came away from that experience of being clothed with their physical nakedness, they also were clothed with God's righteousness. It restored them back to fellowship with the Creator. You see all that? He brought them back from their lost estate. Now, before I close here, I'd like to ask you one question. I always try to finish up with this. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Ask yourself that question. If you're 35%, 50%, 75%, or even 99% sure that you're going to heaven, that's not going to work. That means you're not going. You have to, as the old preacher used to say, you have to know that you know that you know. And you know in other words, you have to be 100% sure. You know the Bible wants you to be 100% sure. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is how you get eternal life. The first thing that you have to do is recognize that you're a sinner and uh, pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins. In other words, I forsake my sins. That means to give up your sins. You know, you can repent a thousand times and it won't do a bit of good until you forsake those sins, give those sins up. When you do that and then believe on the work of the cross, believe that Jesus Christ uh, was put in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he's alive forevermore at the right hand of the Lord, of, the, of God, that he died for our sins. When you believe that, when you repent of your sins and believe that with all your heart and mind, what did God say he would do? He'd say, he said he would save you. In other words, you'll be what the Bible calls born again. You'll have eternal life. 
And he'll do exactly what he said. He'll give you eternal life. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be good enough for it. All you got to do is accept a free gift. It's a free gift. I hope you've enjoyed this study, and we look forward to many more. Dr. Troy Wall, signing off.